Hey everyone, by way of introduction, I just want to say that we have an incredible portion of scripture to look at today. And so in an effort to keep these videos on the shorter end, we're going to jump right into it. So Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So here we see again that Paul had never actually been to the church that was in Colossae. But because of the relationship that can exist amongst believers, people that have never even met before, the simple fact that we both know Jesus unites us. And so Paul is speaking to these Christians that he has a genuine love for because of Christ. And he's writing to them because he has this conflict for them, this internal struggle that he was dealing with. So what is this conflict that Paul is talking about? Well, as I said, I, th I think it's this kind of internal struggle, this almost anxiety or worry for these people. See, Coloss or not Colossians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul, as an apostle, listed off all the ways in which he had suffered as an apostle. That he had been in shipwrecks, that he'd been beaten, that he had uh, sleepless nights, that he was hungry, that he was naked. All these gnarly things that happened to the apostle Paul in his missionary journeys and just suffering for the sake of the gospel and for Christ. But what he says at the end of that list is, besides all of these things, the thing that comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. Paul sort of said, in, in all of the shipwrecks and all the gnarliest things I've ever experienced, one of the hardest things that I deal with on the daily level is that I care that Christ would be formed into these people's lives. And not to sort of compare myself to the Apostle Paul or to boast in any kind of way. But if I could just say, I have a similar conflict, a similar care for the people of Palos Verdes. I mean, why else would I move my wife and two kids from a place that we were established in and connected to a new place to plant a church, not really knowing that many people, other than the fact that God actually put this place in these people as a burden upon our hearts. And we daily, weekly pray for the people of Palestine that we would see this place radically reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing with these videos, uh, bringing the message of Christ. Now, Paul genuinely had a care for these people in Colossae, and he wanted them to know about it. And so that's why he's now expressing to them what he had going on inside them, inside of him, beginning at verse 2, where he says that your hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. So Paul wanted to see all of these great things taking place in their lives. He wanted them to be encouraged, which just simply means that he wanted courage to be put into their hearts. He wanted them to be knit together in love, that love would be the thing that would unite them together as one. 
He wanted them to attain to all riches of full assurance of understanding. And that's a mouthful. But what he means is that he wants them to know Jesus and his truth and not lack in any way of what it means to know God. And last but not least, he wanted them to know the mystery of God. And here he says that the mystery of God is both of the Father and of Christ. And what this is telling us is that we could not have known God unless God had revealed himself. And God revealed himself in Jesus. God is knowable. That is foundational to the truth of Christianity, that God is knowable. And and not knowledge just based upon facts, but a knowledge that is relational. And God has shown himself, namely through the person and the work of Jesus. That's why we've learned already in Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know God, which he has made himself known, then look no further than to Jesus. If you read the Gospels, you can see the life and the ministry of Jesus and everything you see him do, everything you hear him say will teach you who God is, will reveal to you the mystery of God. So knowing God is our greatest privilege. It is the greatest privilege that anyone can have. And as we're learning in Colossians, the best way to know God is to look at Jesus. And so of Jesus, Paul says now in verse 3, In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, treasure is obviously something that you seek after. If I were to give you a map and tell you that there's treasure to be found, I, I imagine that you would go looking for it. And God has given us a map. And that map is his word, the Bible. And there is treasure that's to be found. And that treasure is in Jesus Christ. He is treasure in and of himself that is waiting to be discovered by you. So when we seek Jesus out, we will find hidden treasures. And these treasures are wisdom and knowledge. Now, I can't think of two greater assets that humanity seeks after than wisdom and knowledge. You can search through every library, you can attend every university, and still there will be wisdom and knowledge that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Paul desires that these Christians would indeed have these things. And the reason why, as we look now in verse 4 and 5, is this. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Paul's whole aim in the letter of Colossians is to get their eyes upon Jesus. Because Paul was aware of the fact that false teachers had begun to creep into the church and Christians were looking to other places other than Jesus. The disruption of good order and steadfastness of faith was happening in this church. 
And you see, the Gnostics, they got their name from the root word of knowledge, which is the word gnosis. And the Gnostics taught that they had a secret and hidden wisdom and knowledge, which you can see now that Paul is actually kind of taking a stab at them by the words that he's using to describe Christ. See, the Gnostics taught that this hidden wisdom and knowledge could not be found in a person. Because a foundational belief to the Gnostics was that all physical matter was evil. And so how could Jesus, who came in the flesh and even died on a cross, have in himself all wisdom and knowledge? How could wisdom and knowledge dwell in a human being? Paul was aware that these people uh, were being deceived by these persuasive words. And you ought to be sure that this still happens today. There are those today who will say there is no way that all wisdom and knowledge can be found in Jesus. Maybe some wisdom, some knowledge. Yeah, he was a good teacher. Yeah, he was maybe a prophet. So some wisdom, some knowledge, but not all wisdom or all knowledge can be found in Jesus. See, Jesus is ought to be kept in just some realm of religion, just someone that people who are more simple-minded look to. See, we have science, and we have philosophy, and medicine, and law, and politics. We have knowledge. Can Jesus really be the treasury of all wisdom and knowledge? Well, if he's God, and the one who made our brains then I think that he might actually know everything that there is to know and have in himself all wisdom and knowledge. Now, the accumulation of wisdom and knowledge for us as human beings is not a bad pursuit, but we must know that in our studying, in our thinking, in our wanting to know more, Jesus is the beginning and the end of it that knowing God is our highest goal. Well, let's look now at verse 6, which says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So Paul uses now three great metaphors to describe our relationship with Jesus. First, that we walk with Jesus. So wherever Jesus goes, we go with him. And, and along the way, he teaches us. We're also rooted in Jesus. And this is a picture of a tree being firmly rooted into the soil where from the roots you receive all of the nutrients for growth. We're rooted in Jesus. We abide in him. We bear fruit from him. And then we are built up and established in Jesus. And this is a building metaphor where Jesus is the one in whom we have our foundation of faith. And from that, our lives are built into these beautiful structures. So Paul uses each of these metaphors because in all of them, if you don't have Christ, then you have nothing. See, if you're not walking with Jesus, then you're wandering. If you're not rooted in Jesus, 
then you have no growth. If you are not established and built up in Jesus, then you're unstable. We truly need Jesus in our lives. And therefore, Paul is really serious to say we can't look beyond Jesus. In verse 8, he says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, I don't know of maybe the ways that you have been cheated or even if you know that you've been cheated. No one wants to be told you're being cheated, but there are philosophies and lies and traditions of men that are only earthbound and that they know nothing of the principles of the kingdom of God. And if you're not getting your wisdom and knowledge from Jesus, then you're probably picking it up from some other person or some other place. And Paul is saying that if it's not according to Christ, if it doesn't line up with who he is and what he has said, then you are being cheated and you need to be aware of that. And so this is the internal struggle that Paul is having. And he concludes it here when he says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Again, we don't need to look anywhere else in this life than to Jesus. Did you know that in Jesus you can be complete? In Jesus you will lack nothing. He is God in all the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in Jesus. Now this is another stab at the Gnostics because they use that same word there fullness that Paul uses here, which is the Greek word pleroma, the Gnostics said that this fullness, which to them meant the totality of divine power. Paul says, yeah, yeah, the pleroma, the totality of divine power, yeah, that dwells in Jesus, who, yeah, came physically to this earth. And in his body, which you say is evil, actually worked against what is evil. And he dismantled evil. He is the head over principalities and powers. And Jesus is the one in whom we find everything in. And so in Paul's day, it was the Gnostics that was creeping in and causing believers to take their focus off of Jesus. So what has perhaps crept into your life and has caused you to take your focus off of Jesus? What are you looking at today to fulfill you? Because um, are you looking for the sense of being complete? Because the Bible's clear that we don't need to look any further to be complete, to be full, to be fulfilled than to look to Jesus. And so let's look at him today and you will be blessed. All right? Amen. God bless you.